Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. Today's episode starts off with uh, something that's understandably a problem for many people. Strange noises. Well, we don't mean smacking, snoring the squeak of styrofoam, or all those other demons of misophonia. No, no. Coins. How about heavy breathing, guys? People accuse me online of heavy breathing a lot, and it's really made me self-conscious to the point where I lean away from the microphone really hard. So thanks a lot, Internet. So we're, we're, we're talking about something much less annoying, and we're talking about something much more mysterious, or so some would have us believe. Longtime listeners, fellow conspiracy realists, you've been with us as we explored the story of the Windsor Hum, which, by the way, will be solved in this episode, as well as the story of the infamous Bloop. But this mysterious noise occurs in the far north in an isolated part of the world home to more animals than people. 
the local population is apparently being haunted by a bizarre... Well, some would describe it as a hum. Some would describe it as a beep. Today, it's best known as the Nunavut Ping. Here are the facts. So first off, let's do a little geography. Uh, Nunavut is in Canada, right? But where? Uh, It's north, Um, really north. About as far north as you can possibly go. Uh, The area encompasses most of the Canadian Arctic archipelago, and uh, this is polar bear country. Nunavut is the largest and northernmost territory uh, of Canada and the fifth largest administrative division in the entire world. In fact, uh, Nunavut alone represents about 21% of the entire area of Canada, which is interesting considering how few people actually live there. It's really strange to look at on something like Google Earth or another digital-based globe just to see essentially that ring, the Arctic ring around the, the North Pole there. It's, you're right up at the top. And this whole area we're talking about here, uh, Nunavut, it's a little over 2 million kilometers in total area. That's around 800,000 square miles, a little more than that. And according to the latest numbers, it has a total population of around 36,000 people. Yeah, this one, this one uh, <laughs> gave gave me a, a weird rabbit hole, Matt. Uh, the population's thirty five thousand nine hundred and forty four as of the twenty sixteen census, and that number still seems to hold about the same in twenty nineteen. So I was looking for a, a an easy comparison. You know, what's maybe a more well known city or town that has a, a comparable population? So I started looking at cities in the U.S. that have a population maybe around there. I couldn't find any. So I started looking at smaller and smaller and smaller places, and I stumbled on the closest comparison I could find, which is Goose Creek City, South Carolina, with a population of 35,938. So residents of Goose Creek City, shout out to you. Yeah, shout out to Mount Pleasant and Bulls Bay as well, which are right right down the street from you. <laughs> What's life you like know, there? Do you know about Goose know. Creek City? Yeah, dude, I'm all about some Goose Creek. Just from here, you can uh, you got to get to 95, but head on up that way, then you can head head east right over to Goose Creek. Wait a minute, I'm, are you serious? I'm just, I'm just looking at a map. Okay, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I would have loved the idea of Matt having like long lost family in Goose Creek that he's just now like discovering on the air in real time. Yes. As Noel said, please tell us your Goose Creek City stories. Uh, unlike the residents of Goose Creek City, the residents of this territory uh, are overwhelmingly Inuit, about 85% of the population. This territory is also incredibly new. It was officially created in 1999. Before that, it was part of the pre-existing Northwest Territories. Now, if you want to go encounter the great outdoors in this part of the world, you're going to need to prepare. This is not an especially uh, welcoming environment. Uh, It's mostly composed of rocky treeless tundra that's locked in permafrost, The Arctic, as we know, is experiencing climate change, specifically warming of the climate, 
at a faster rate than a lot of other parts of the world, and this also affects Nunavut. Uh, Changes there include higher temperatures, which melts the permafrost, which reduces the ice in the sea, which causes the glaciers to uh, diminish and retreat, and diminishes the ice shelves. Tale as old as time, we all know this pattern. But it's also home to a mystery, and that's our question today. Have you heard of the Nunavut Ping? And just another thing to point out here is just how difficult it is to get to Nunavut from a lot of other places or nearly anywhere else in the world, uh, considering where it is uh, on the earth and how cold it is, how much ice you're dealing with, and the lack of standard transportation or very little standard transportation. Yeah, I actually, when I was looking up, you know, researching for this episode, uh, I came across a YouTuber by the name of Olivia Young, um, who, along with her husband, at the time of the video, was, which is in 2018, had just moved to Iqaluit, which is the capital city of Nunavut. And she made two very helpful videos, one of which was 10 reasons you should move to Iqaluit and 10 reasons you should not move to a call it. Uh, not that she was trying to force anybody one way or the other, but uh, the reasons you should were things like we're talking about the gorgeous natural scenery, the hunting, the uh, camping opportunities, um, and just kind of the adventure of it all. Uh, the reasons you shouldn't, apparently cost of living is, is one of the highest in all of Canada there, uh, largely because it is so remote. There aren't very many chain things, so... There's kind of a monopoly on, you know, goods and services on on this uh, very remote, hard to get to place. And she was saying, I guess they're talking about Canadian bucks, but it was like around eighteen hundred dollars for a flight, like a three hour flight from Iqaluit uh, to, I believe, um, Manitoba. I believe is what they were saying. I'm not. I can't quite remember where they would go home to hang with their folks. But apparently, very, very prohibitively expensive to fly out of there, uh, and not many flights go there. So it's kind of a monopoly there too. Also commented on the internet being particularly slow, but then you pointed out that uh, they, they seem to have fixed that. Yeah, yeah, and this is something, th- this kind of inaccessibility is something that's very familiar to people who live in areas of the world like this, but uh, perhaps sounds strange to people not acquainted uh, with these environments, you know. There's a reason, for instance, that department stores in Alaska uh, tend to do a little bit better than department stores in the rest of the contiguous United States. That's because some places just don't deliver. You know, you can't order something online if it means that someone from Amazon or something has to fly out on a small Cessna plane to get you, you know, your Dunkaroos or whatever you're ordering. <laughs> I imagine it's Dunkaroos. It's uh, got to be. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just... Speaking to that, shout out to the whoever is working at and running the Hall Beach Airport that's out there nearby. It, it It's one of the only ones that I was able to find that was big enough to actually land, like you said, a Cessna or something. Well, and apparently there's no specialty medical facilities there. Uh, doctors actually come in on a weekly basis. The, the woman I was talking about who had the YouTube video was pregnant at the time. And was talking about how to see a specialist, she had to wait until that individual was actually making the rounds, which would require flying in on a little plane like you're talking about. And also, uh, one of the reasons she said if you don't want to move here is if you don't like online shopping, because that's sort of mainly where you're going to find most of your options, because there's really no chain department stores or malls or Walmarts or anything like that to speak of. So as you can tell from that very high level look, uh, life here is very different than life in many other parts of the world. 
Nunavut is home to a stunning and rich history of indigenous culture, tradition, uh, and practices, right? Including hunting, which plays a big role in today's show. This area is also home to a mystery. It's one that a lot of people outside of the region have not heard of. Have you heard of the Nunavut Ping? Here's where it gets crazy. Because, you see, this area of the world is home to more than breathtaking natural beauty and astonishing ancient culture. It's also home to something that is most often, or I should say allegedly home to something that is most often called a ping, like ping. Like that sound a submarine makes, right? Maybe. Well, it's it's interesting. It's been described a bunch of different ways, actually. Um, sometimes it is that ping, like we just gave an example of. Sometimes it's more of a hmm. Sometimes it's a sound that you can't hear unless you're recording. Sometimes it's a beep, more of a like the ones that we make on this show when we need to record something again that you That's don't behind the scenes. That's behind the scenes, Matt. That doesn't make it to the final edit. Thank you, Mission Control. Where where's Michael Winslow when you need him? I wish we had him as a guest right now. He could do all of these sounds perfectly for us. But I think you yeah. did a great job, Matt. Well, thanks. So uh, w- what you need to know is that there's a specific area within this larger area that we've been describing to you. It's it's called the Fury and Hecla Strait of Nunavut. It's about 120 kilometers or 74 miles from the small town of Igloic. Yeah, and you you were uh, we were talking earlier off air, Matt. You said that this is this is kind of the the closest point of human civilization that we can we can relate to this. It's uh the the Fury and Hecla Strait is sort of northwest of this town, correct? Correct. Yeah. And it's, it's large. It's uh, very open many times or in the past, I guess more frequently in the past, there would be ice floating in this area and not so much anymore, as you stated earlier, Ben. Yeah. So this ping was first, uh, we could say solidly confirmed by a sailboat that was traveling through the strait back in the summer of 2016 And the reason we can say it was solidly confirmed is because the crew of the boat and passengers on the boat were able to register the sound with onboard sonar equipment. They weren't looking for anything. They just had the sonar equipment for the boat. Rumors had existed before this official confirmation. And note, to your earlier point, Matt, this is not the same thing as recording the sound. They registered it. They proved that it existed, but they didn't have an audio file they could play for other people. The The straight itself is a word of the day. I don't know about you all, but this I learned this word for the first time. The, the straight is what is called a polyenia. It's, a, it's an area of open water that's surrounded by ice. And this is a cozy, cozy, perfect home for tons of sea mammals. The sound itself, the ping or the hum or the ping, can be heard throughout the summer. That, that, that's a big deal. Yeah, there we go. That's a big deal because summer is one of the major hunting seasons in this region because there is a typically – Historically, there's a large number of sea mammals that pass through this area. And so since ancient days when people were living there, uh, they would harvest these animals and use components of these animals 
throughout the rest of the year for a multitude of things. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, you can find narwhals in this region, the mythical yet perfectly real narwhal. Yeah, there are, God, guys. they're Arctic Circle types, the narwhal. You know, they, they haven't quite yet franchised to the Caribbean. But hey, the world's a changing place. Who knows? Maybe we'll see a tropical narwhal. Draw us a picture of what that looks like. Send it in. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Probably just wearing a lay and, and has like a tropical drink of some kind. Narwhals don't really have hands, though. Um, it, has, it has like pineapples and stuff speared on the on the horn, <laughs> yes, which is actually exactly. Exactly. It's the upper left tooth of the narwhal. Oh, but, so uh, weird. It is. But the ping is even weirder than a narwhal, I would say, because the sound can be heard throughout the summer. Multiple people allegedly report it. Notice we had to drop the allegedly on there. You'll find out why in a minute. Uh, the boaters who were aboard that private vessel passing through the area, they said that they heard the sound, they registered it on sonar, they didn't have an audio recording, but they went to a local radio show in Igloic afterwards, and they described their experience hearing the sound. And when they described it, multiple people called into the radio station to say, hey, I've heard this too. What gives? Just a quick thing to think about here. This incident occurred in 2016. So, you know, we, we can't know for sure, but I assume that somebody on that private boat that was traveling through the strait had some kind of cellular device that had recording capabilities on it. And it does make me wonder why, if they were hearing something as strange as this sounds, they wouldn't begin rolling. Similar to if there's a UFO sighting or something, you'd want to at least attempt to capture it. It's a good point, Matt, but I think maybe we take for granted sometimes how uh, how quick we are to pull out stuff like that and record interesting sounds or, or, or videos. Some people just don't think about it, I think. It's like second nature to us, I think, since we're sort of techie nerd types. But I don't know. It could, it could go either way. It is a little weird, but I also know people that just never really occurs to them unless it's like snapping a picture to like pull up the voice memo recorder. is almost like too many layers of menu for some people on a phone. I want to go back to what you said, Matt, and I want to respond to you by saying ding, 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 or should I say ping, 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 because oh. this is going to be important later in the story, right? And I think your point holds, Noel, that uh, it is not normal, or it's not, you know, ubiquitous for everybody to instantly take out a phone. As a matter of fact, many of us listening along today, when we have seen something anomalous, perhaps in the sky or in the distance, uh, you know, it can be a real pain to try to get to your camera on your phone or your audio recorder in time, unless you've made it a habit and normalized it. So with, with your point, Matt, I, I would say one thing that alters, or I would say one thing that um, influences the points we're making here is that these people were on a boat. They likely already had recording equipment or communications equipment of some sort running. And we don't, without knowing how long their window of time was hearing the ping, we don't know how much time they had to respond. But it is interesting. There was not a recorded sound there. This acoustic anomaly is an important part about it. It wasn't just affecting humans and hunters. Locals had noticed that animals appeared to hear this sound as well, and they responded to it by turning tail or turning fin or turning flipper and skedaddling. 
Whatever this sound was, it seemed to frighten them, at least according to initial reports. There were hardly any sea mammals in the area during the summer of 2015, and that became an issue of major concern to the local government. Yeah, especially since when we're talking about tourism and even like just locals, uh, hunting is huge. So if your animals are constantly getting spooked away by this sound, that's not going to go over well uh, with the locals or with, you know, tourists and, and the government who are maybe thinking, oh, this is a bummer. This is going to like make it less attractive for people to come here and, and you know, see these uh, these natural phenomenon or, and, and perhaps, you know, shoot them. Yes. And to that end, we have a statement from a legislative assemblyman from the area named George Qualut. He said, quote, that passage is a migratory route for bowhead whales and also bearded seals and ringed seals. There would be so many in that particular area. This summer, there was none. Which is amazing because usually these kind of declines step down incrementally over time, right? And over seasons. It's anomalous for an entire migratory population to change, to, to disappear and change route. So locals and visitors, humans and animals alike, all seemed to know that something was happening, but no one knew what, unless, of course, we asked the animals, which no one really did. This means then the lack of certitude, speculation thrives and theories abound. What are we talking about? We'll tell you after a word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. 
Attention, true crime enthusiast, searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. And we have returned. We hope that everyone had an excellent commercial break, uh, maybe a, a few mini adventures. Uh, we don't know. Tell us about them. But we had a discussion of our own during the break. Uh, and Matt, you, you brought up an important point that we need to hit before we dive into these theories. Dive in. Sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, we're only getting started in that realm, Ben. So, so uh, just jumping back to that initial report that kind of broke this story back in 2016 of the private boat and the people on board that went through and heard this ping with their sonar equipment, they, they at least stated they were able to discern that the sound appeared to be originating from the sea floor, from below them way down at the bottom and just keep that in mind as we're continuing down through these theories about what this sound could possibly be and we have a we have a couple of broad categories of theories uh, with with very i would say differing levels of plausibility right so we can start maybe uh, if you guys if you guys are into this, we can start with the very mundane one uh, and the reason why it's very mundane, and then we can move progressively to some more conspiratorial stuff. The first theory centers on an outfit called the Baffinland Iron Mines Corporation. They had earlier conducted sonar surveys on a nearby inlet, Steensby Inlet. This theory that a corporation in the mining industry could be responsible for, for the sound does have some sand, but not because of the mining corporation itself here. It's increasingly plausible because of recent revelations about the Windsor hum, which we explored in a previous episode. We rarely get to say this. This one has been proven. We can put this one to bed, probably. In that previous episode on the Windsor Hum, we examined this mysterious sound on the Canadian-U.S. border. Since about 2011, people in Windsor, Ontario, and the area were reporting a weird, weird hum. Nobody knew what it was. Some people were saying secret government plans, USOs, UFOs, extra-dimensional stuff. All the, all the exciting stuff. All the hits. All the jazz. But just a few days before we recorded this episode, it, uh, the announcement, the news came on July 27th. We're recording this on July 29th. One of our theories from Windsor Hum was proven correct. The U.S. steel facility on Zug Island went into idle mode as the company scaled back operations across its Great Lakes facilities. And according to a guy named Colin Novak, who we may have cited in that episode, uh, he's the lead researcher for the Canadian study into the hum. According to him, 
as soon as that Zug Island facility went quiet, the hum vanished. So no aliens, or at least maybe the aliens were working at the factory. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy to me. You know, we're talking today about a ping, and, and we're referring to this one, and it is uh, kind of known in, in popular culture, I guess, as a hum. But, I mean, residents were describing it as like almost a sub, you know, sub-bass kind of rumble that would actually like vibrate pictures off the wall and, and make some people sick, you know? I mean, there's a whole episode about it. But that plant that we're talking about, um, I think they determined that it was caused by like a process of like venting pressure from some of the equipment that, that was very, very, very loud and actually carried uh, all the way to uh, the residents of, of Windsor. Pretty cool. Wow. That's that's weird that we can come and say that to you today. It felt like a mystery that was going to be around for a while, but now it's gone, you guys. Doing the work. Uh-huh. Our, our success rate is, <laughs> if you look at, if you define success as in solving these things, our success rate is pretty abysmal, but but this alone, this kind of theory does not solve the case the Nunavut ping, because there are some problems with this explanation. Yes, that's correct. The Baffin Iron Mines Corporation. So they ended up speaking with Canadian media, and essentially they said, yes, they do have a mine on the Mary River, which is southwest of Pond Inlet, another inlet in the area. They had not been conducting any surveys uh, of the sonar type in the area where the ping had been observed, and they didn't they didn't even have any equipment in the water, especially at the bottom of the sea there or or of the strait, I guess. Um, so it does feel as though at least if they are telling the truth that that this may not be the explanation. And if you don't want to just trust the company's words, you can look to the local politicians who have also verified that there weren't any um, official permits that were issued for this company for construction or for other kinds of work like blasting, um, hydrography, which is a fun term as well. Um, and there was no there was no official permits for work that would explain those sounds originating from that company. But but again, you're trusting politicians then, right? So. <laughs> Yeah, but still, in either case, back to the conspiracy drawing board on this one. There's a another theory that was pretty popular in in the local population uh, that that reminded me in a way of uh, allegation. Well, it's an allegation of eco terrorism, kind of, uh, and it reminds me of like Captain Planet kind of fights. So what if the ping is coming not from a mining corporation? but from those nefarious ne'er-do-wells over at Greenpeace. Oh. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, so so what, if, what if Greenpeace is the culprit here? For people who believe this, the motivation of this organization is to use the ping or some kind of sonar device to scare wildlife away from the hunting grounds during this peak hunting season. This theory does not come from thin air. It's not likely that someone just made it up to troll people. Greenpeace and the local population have had tense exchanges in the past, and that was largely due to Greenpeace's historical opposition to seal hunting in the 1970s and 1980s. So decades ago, but there's still probably some bad blood, or at the very least, some distrust. So the big question here is, would an environmental group like Greenpeace purposefully disrupt what's 
going on with the natural behaviors of a large group of animals in some roundabout way to save them. It's definitely one of those things that feels like, okay, I guess in a Dr. Evil style Greenpeace maneuver, but it definitely, it definitely feels off to me. Like that wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a good idea because you change the patterns of those animals, where they live, where they hunt, where they feed, uh, you're, you're going to cause some disastrous effects probably. Yeah. It first, to your point, it feels circuitous. Dare I say Rube Goldberg-esque. And secondly, it seems like a textbook example of a situation where someone is choosing the lesser evil. It feels like it would be anomalous for Greenpeace to take that kind of of course of action. That doesn't mean it's not true. It just, it seems weird. uh, And it seems out of character. Greenpeace denies this accusation the same way that the mining corporation denied the accusation. In fact, a spokesperson for Greenpeace, one Farrah Khan, said, quote, not only would we not do anything to harm marine life, but we very much respect the right of Inuit to hunt and would definitely not want to impact that in any way. This is important because it means not only does Greenpeace not want to mess with the animals, they're also saying they don't want to mess with Inuit hunting traditions. So their their argument, render if, if true, renders the whole conspiratorial concept moot because they're saying, first, we didn't do that. And second, if there was something we could do to disrupt this hunting season, we wouldn't do it anyway because we think it's an important cultural practice. So they're basically saying, you know, it's it's not our battle, not our hill to die on. Additionally, to your point, Matt, if you, if you don't believe Greenpeace any more than you b- believe mining corporations, we can note that government officials note no one has seen a craft of any sort capable of like carrying and dropping sonar uh, going through the area or putting anything into the water that, you know, would function as a sonar device capable of creating this sound, etc. And that all means, boom, back to the conspiracy drawing board we go. And this brings us to a third theory, uh, which, which I would say is, I don't want to call it fun, but it's, it's, it's fascinating. And I, I think we might differ on our opinions of the plausibility here, guys, because I, mm, I'm a little more pro-conspiracy on, on this theory in particular. Wait, wait Ben, are, are you talking about submarines? Not just the sandwiches, Matt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we did an episode not long ago on submarines, older submarines, and the tech that was available you know, back during the Cold War days, was so advanced, you can only imagine that there might be something lurking out there in the waters that nobody can detect. Yeah, in that same episode, we talked about how there's no question that sonar uh, really jacks with marine animals, especially whales uh, and dolphins. I mean, so many of them use their own form of sonar to communicate, and this absolutely um, can throw a real wrench in that in that system. And I mean, the whole point of many of these submarines is to swim under the radar. So if there were more advanced uh, versions of these things, we probably wouldn't know about it, whether domestic or foreign. Um, so to your point, Matt, who's to say that some newer version of this technology doesn't exist that either sounds different or acts a little different, but still clearly, you know, disrupts 
marine life. But the Canadian military has ruled out the presence of both domestic and foreign subs in the area. At least that's this, what they're saying in their official statements to the public. But who, who knows uh, how accurate that might be. I would just say remember where we are in the world, right? We're at the northern top of Canada, and I would say just across the Arctic Ocean. It is a pretty vast distance from that area to Russia. But if you're thinking about it with a Cold War mindset, which I'm not going to say is gone from governments uh, on either side of that original conflict, uh, it's evolved certainly. But if you're thinking about it in that way, then there might be a strategic reason to be floating around in the waters there. Mm. Uh, uh, all right, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. What? Oh, okay, all right. I'm going to save it. We'll, we'll get back to this, but I completely agree with you, uh, Matt. Completely agree. Spoiler alert. But let's say, just for the sake of maritime argument, uh, we say, okay, that's uh, maybe that's not 100% it. We'll head back half-heartedly with caveats to the conspiracy drawing board, as DJ Khaled would say, another one. You see, there is a fourth theory, conspiracy realist. It proposes that the sounds were being emitted by essentially a science project in the Arctic, funded not by Canada, but by the United States, specifically by the Office of Naval Research in the U.S. This is called the Canada Basin Acoustic Propagation Experiment, or what would you, Canapé? Is that Canapé. how they pronounce it? Do you, do you think DJ Khaled has anything to do with this? Do you think this is why he hasn't released any new material in so long? He's just been working on this? That's I'm gonna what ask, it is. I'm going to ask if DJ Khaled has released his own material. Hazoo! Oh, another one. Another sick burn against no, DJ no, Khaled. No, no, he's, he's, he's been great to us. He's a good friend of the show. Actually, I, I love hearing him on tracks. It's, <laughs> it's a guilty pleasure. I wish no, you, you would you, do you our always, show. You, you always know. You always know it's him. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you do. <laughs> it reminds me of those, like, uh, those mix or those, you know, when you buy a, a beat on the internet um, and you don't pay the full price, you just get the sample. Occasionally in the background, it'll be like... Like six sounds, twenty nineteen, and then you know when you buy it, that goes away. It's like an audio watermark. That's what DJ Khaled does. He's like a human audio watermark. Uh, well, well, yeah, and he certainly experiments with sounds, right? Ooh, nice, Shit. Matt. <laughs> no, that's what I was getting at. Maybe this is his. Uh, this is his new material, canapé, which is also a delightful French. Uh, Savory dish? A canapé, I think. It's kind of like a crepe. I'm sure it is. Irrelevant. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. I've heard I've heard the term though. But but this um this project called the Canada Basin Acoustic Propagation Experiment or canapé. It's really interesting. It uses low frequency sounds to try and figure out uh the ongoing changes that are occurring in that general area with regards to sea ice. And uh, how the how those changes? So if you're, if you're as you're having less or more ice in an area, how does that affect acoustics? So that sounds really interesting, and they're thinking that this project could produce some data for use in tracking submarines way up there in the Arctic or just far north in general, like we're talking about. Uh oh, are submarines making a comeback already? 
Another one. <laughs> Bites the dust. But uh, we have an expert. That's right. We have an expert by the name of Peter, either Worcester or Worcester. Yes, depending on which part of the country you come from or if you're English. Uh, but he is a member of the Scripps Institution of Oceanography at the University of California. And he said that the sound being generated by Canapé, uh, which, by the way, is a small uh, amuse-bouche that you might see on a tray carried by a uh, waiter at a party uh, with little little things on it, like a little smoked salmon, perhaps. Um, but it's also this thing. The sound emitted by Canapé, um, the sounds, rather, are very low and too far away to be heard in the Fury and Hecla Strait. Okay? So this he's ruling this out for, for, the, uh, for the ping. No, it does make sense. The project is focused on low frequency sounds, right? And we're talking about a very high pitched or high frequency sound. So, yeah, and w one of the issues too, uh, which Worcester brings up, is the problem of time, right, and uh, and and distance. So, this experiment, uh, the the to be responsible for the Nunavut ping, these experiments would have to travel very well. Uh, a pretty long way, and it would still have to be distinct from the ambient background noise, right? That, that's going to occur. Uh, so Worcester outlines, you know, how quickly this would dissipate into background noise, and instead he proposes another culprit, uh, a returning culprit uh, that some of us may recognize from our earlier episode on the bloop. And he says it could be Arctic ice. That could be the Kaiser Soze here. Uh, and he notes that much of the acoustic noise in the Arctic is caused by ice rubbing together and cracking, sliding against itself and moving. And favorite fact about today's episode is that this is a known phantom sound. Uh, dating back to the days of early Arctic explorers. Well, let me caveat that. Early European Arctic explorers. They knew about these sounds. They were so common that Arctic explorers in this in that age called these noises the Devil's Symphony. How cool is that? And the descriptions ranged uh, kind of had the same some of the same sounds we hear the Nunavut ping being described as. They, were, they would say there was a buzz maybe kind of a, a really low hum. Uh, and then they also said wheezing and loud bangs. There, I don't think there's a Nunavut wheeze yet, but that would really creep me out. Can you imagine being, being out in the far north and then you just hear this sort of... Yeah. <laughs> it sounds pretty cool, actually, like some kind of experimental music. What if you were listening to the Devil's Symphony while smoking the Devil's Lettuce? Hmm. Bad combination. Probably so. Uh, or maybe great. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, that Ben, that right there is the best fact of this whole thing. And you right now can go on YouTube and other places and hear sounds of ice in both the Arctic and Antarctic and just the incredible range of tones and frequencies that you can get out of ice interacting with itself and other chunks of ice. Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, you know, cracks, I, the ice is like a mass. I mean, think of like the the ocean, how far it extends. I mean, so many of these uh, bodies of ice are just take up just as much, not just as much, but are very, very, you know, wide ranging. And for cracks to be spreading, you know, all at the same time, slowly, 
and kind of these slow creaking crack sounds like that really does sound pretty haunting just to just to consider, uh, especially if they were making like sympathetic tones and causing these kind of weird vibration sounds. And as reports of this ping grew or appeared to grow, uh, the Canadian government, including the members of the legislature that we mentioned earlier, eventually decided to investigate and to escalate this to get the military involved, which I think just I, I think is another interesting argument for the sub theory. But what are we talking about? We'll tell you after a word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. And we're back, and the government has become involved. Oh, Canadian government, what did you do? Well, in November of 2016, they conducted several searches of the area using uh, sound equipment, essentially. The military went through there, and they were unable to determine what was causing 
whatever these, quote, acoustic anomalies were. Yeah, I believe they flew over uh, the ocean with multi-sensor, you know, scans, essentially, trying to find the origin, um, but they couldn't do it. Yeah, they did, but it was a it was a large jet or a plane, right? I'm confused That's... about that too, Matt. Like it, that makes so much noise in and of itself. Like not not that we're acoustic specialists or anything, but a little weird. You think they do it with a boat with the motors turned off or something? You know what I mean? Like it, it does seem as though if you are getting your initial reports from a uh, you know a boat or a ship traveling through that strait, you would also in kind send some kind of vessel through there with equipment um sonar acoustic or otherwise just to test to see if you could repeat it rather than sending a plane over but uh, maybe that's just to my ears rovs a magnetometer uh we do have to we do have to keep in mind however that the relative inaccessibility of this area and the size plays a role knowing something or thinking something originates from the sea floor doesn't get you out of that needle in a haystack situation it just points you to like a rough area of the hay you know what it just moves the haystack to the seafloor that's all it does yeah, that's a great point. Um, and in 2017, they decided to, well, although they did find uh, something in their search, uh, which doesn't, isn't particularly surprising. They found two pods of whales and six walruses. So they didn't come up completely empty handed. But in 2017. Oh, wait, wait. One point, though, about the walruses. What I love about the way this is presented when you read about it is that it's a total of six walruses. So I love that they're. It sounds like they're consistently discovering a walrus, and it keeps them going. So maybe my crazy conspiracy about this is a seventh walrus. They just turned around too soon. I couldn't agree with you, Ben. Uh, but, you know, they didn't let this uh, dampen their spirits too much. In 2017, the Army had plans to send two acoustic specialists to Eglulik, uh to learn more about the ping and just kind of, like, pull the locals uh, ask around, like see who had heard it, what they thought it sounded like. Seems like a smart move. Uh, so they ended up sending just one instead, a guy named Doug Brown. Um, no relation. Brown was uh, at Egluic for a total of nine days in January of uh, that year, 2017. And here's some things that he uh, he accomplished while he was there. Well, the first thing that he didn't accomplish was recording anything as far as audio goes of the straight or the water or any pings whatsoever. Um, again, the according to them and according to the work that Doug Brown was commissioned to do, the military had attempted to record those sounds and they were unable to do so. So they sent him there with a very different mission. He was instead interviewing residents and locals as well as officials, and attempting to just get as much information as he could about what they had heard. You don't think sending an acoustic specialist without like a field recorder is sort of like sending a photographer without a camera? That's a little weird. That's precisely what it sounds like to me. Yeah, and it's true. I mean, I don't know if he brought that stuff or or what, or just decided to leave it in his bag. But in that nine-day span he was there, he didn't make a single recording. Instead, he just talked to folks to try to get their perspective. Doesn't seem like it would necessarily take an acoustic specialist to do that. But um, uh, who, who, far be it for, for me to question the, the judgment of the Canadian government. Um, he did play sound examples for the locals. Does it sound like this? 
here's a sol- sonar ping. Ping! You know, I wouldn't quite like that. It was a little more of a pew. You know, that's that's maybe the response, but but who knows? Because um, he, he, I wonder if he recorded the interviews. That's a good question. Um, and he asked if anybody knew who had heard the sound, and they said no, that nobody in their community or organization had heard any of the pinging sounds. He also noted that the people he spoke with in the community were much less concerned about what the media called the mystery of the ping. Instead, they were intensely concerned about the lack of migration of the narwhal and the walrus and other marine animals up to the Fury and Hecla Strait. He was, you know, he, he did his best to say, Here's maybe a reason why. Uh, and he wanted to answer their question and their, you know, address their concern. So he told them that the lack of animals may be due to the environmental issues that have been occurring and escalating in the North uh, over the past few years. And he said, you know, these issues may have led to the animals just not migrating as far as they once did. So the animals are still around. Right. They're just not at the same historical range. And then in a he, he got a lot of help from rangers who are based in the town and speak the local dialect, because not every especially older members of the community uh, don't just speak that dialect. And so he went to that local radio station and he had one of the rangers put out a message translated from from English uh, to this language and said, hey, you know, we want to hear from you. Have you heard this ping? Have you experienced it? Do you have a recording? Let us know. And nobody answered. For one reason or another, nobody answered. But I, I want to go back here. There are interesting things about Doug Brown's investigation He says there's no viable reason to put sonar in the area. So he rejects the sonar claim. He says the current is too strong. There's too much ambient and background noise. Even if you wanted to do it, you wouldn't get workable results. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you know, we, we've we seen plenty of examples of the media maybe rolling with the story before confirming all the details because it sounded cool. Uh, or there's, you know, a way to kind of sex up something that maybe there isn't confirmed evidence for. It's not to say they're making things up out of whole cloth, but we've definitely seen this in our research time and time again. Um, so could the ping possibly have just been a rumor that got out of hand? I mean, it seems to me that the the biggest report that that we've heard of in this case is those folks on the boat from the top of the show that didn't record it on their cell phone. I don't even think we had names. So it certainly sounds like that's possible. And that it could have potentially been kind of, um, let's say, escalated based on something that we all know well, uh, the idea of fear, the idea of being concerned about self-preservation and and something that's out of your control to maybe explain it away or to at the very least, you know, assign something to blame. Uh, And that would be the changes in migratory routes. Um, This notion that these sea creatures, sea mammals that were so commonly seen in that uh, in that particular area uh, were gone this year. But we also know that there's other things that can lead to changes in migratory routes, right? Yeah, I want to go back to uh, 
second interesting point about Doug Brown's investigation that I, speaks, that I think speaks to what you're talking about. Uh, there's an interview you can read with Vice, and they do excellent work, especially through Motherboard, wherein Brown says, you know, he doubles down. He says, I never spoke to a single person who said that they had any faith in the reality of this ping, much less said they had heard it themselves. And in fact, when he spoke with members of the Legislative Assembly, he, he asked them, you know, the, the day one question you would ask in this situation. He said, why does it seem like so many papers initially reported hearing this noise? And the legislative members said that was a, quote, misunderstanding of the media. No one in the community, as far as this assembly person knew, had actually heard the ping. And this is odd because it wasn't just one paper reporting these eyewitnesses' accounts. With this, the Army thus considered the case closed. And now it leaves us with several possibilities. One is, uh, one is the idea that you brought up a second ago, Noel, the change in migratory patterns. That's something that people can't really uh, fight immediately, right? That, that stuff has to change over time. It's like a train. It takes a while to get started and it takes a while to stop. But as we were, as we were talking about earlier before the break, Matt, let's go back to the possible submarines cover-up idea. So when Doug Brown, after he was sent to the area, the government considered the case closed and they pretty much shut down the story. Any further investigation, any official comment, they were basically saying they want none of it. I'm going to pause. Uh, I've never accused myself. I'm so sorry. I was, you know, fellow listeners, I was writing, I was writing to the gang off air and I was like, I refuse to apologize for this terrible pun I'm sneaking in. And now I'm done. I feel lighter. I feel physically ben, lighter. You're certainly not alone. I mean, I'm looking at the YouTube comments on the video that I was talking about, about reasons you should move uh, to none of it. And the first comment says, how much of that province is inhabitable? Answer, none of it. Oh, sick burns all day. Oh, and, then, and, then, and, then everyone, and then everyone proceeded to school this guy. It's not a province, you moron. It's territory. So you're a big dumb dumb head, and your pun was bad. And there's there's no solid proof of any cover-up at this point. Like there's no declassified documentation, there's no deathbed confession, no former intelligence officer or anything. But there is solid proof to your earlier point, Matt that the melting ice of the Arctic Circle has made the region a geopolitical hotspot. Think about it. There are billions of dollars to be made in future Arctic shipping routes. There are also potentially billions of dollars to be made in extracting resources from this area. It is therefore, at least and this is kind of my opinion, it's not a fact, it's speculation, but it is 100% plausible that foreign powers, including the U.S., Russia, heck, throw China in the pile as long as we're, we're adding up scary superpowers, they could be snooping around. And to your point about, uh, about hidden technology, Noel, it's possible they could be doing it largely undetected. The motivations are there, if not the means. Hey, don't discount the Canadian secret submarine group whatever it is called i there's i don't even know if it exists but there's got to be one right there's got to be some kind of secret canadian super cold submarines <laughs> <laughs> they're so cool but i i just i couldn't 
I couldn't be in one for a long time. I don't know about you guys. I think I would, I don't think I would deal with it well. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you have any kind of, uh, uh, claustrophobia, Ben? No, no. I mean, I, I guess I've never really been in a situation where I, where it would be that bad, but I do have dreams sometimes where I'm like packed into like a pipe or something, you know, and it's not pleasant. Uh, the idea of being buried in a coffin really freaks me out. So that's sort of how it seems like it would be only for a very, very long time. It takes a spe- I mean, it's a rare set of skills, you know, people who are submariners are dedicated and focused. You'd have to be. I didn't mean to imply that you'd be on a submarine for a longer time than you'd be buried in a coffin. Uh, that's, that's a weird thing to say. I apologize. It's totally fine. I mean, you can imagine just the horrors of submarine flatulence and just... <laughs> I wow. think we talked about this uh, this yeah. last time yep. subs came up. Just the, oh. the, the overall smelliness of it all. It's definitely uh, a thing. Yeah, it is. Uh, and everybody listening to this currently on a submarine, uh, give us your favorite or, or your mo- your weirdest sub smells stories. Uh, you can contact us directly any time of day or night. There's one last note for this. We've laid out the broad categories, the possibilities here. But whatever the ping is, whether or not it actually exists, there is one thing for sure. We do not need some mysterious noise to explain the increasing decline in animal populations. We, ha- we have the culprit for that. It's us. It's human civilization. Uh, we will kill these animals out soon enough. And then this is not to be preachy. These are, these are just facts. This is the process. These animals are specially adapted for a specific environment, and that environment uh, will, will likely cease to exist. So if you, if you feel bad about that, go check out polar bears while you can. Be careful. They will kill you. Uh, they are dangerous, dangerous <laughs> things. Uh, but, but, you know, I, I mean, we're, it's, it's ridiculous to ignore the fact, the objective truth of the matter, and this is a show that deals in facts, is that this, this, this question about the ping may well be moot. The animals are disappearing. That's that's just true. Well, you know, not only are the animals disappearing, the ice is disappearing. Um, and that's a product of climate change. And when the climate changes, the animals, uh, they, they, they find other places that are more suitable to their to their uh, climate needs. So I, I do certainly think that that does seem to be the most plausible explanation here. Um, because unlike the Windsor hum, uh, the none of it ping uh, has not been solved and, and remains something of a mystery. You're right. At least a mystery for now. And until we discover that subterrestrial submarine base at the bottom of that strait, which we will yes. find in 2026. It'll take a while, but we'll, we'll get there. Um, <laughs> I'm joking, of course, but, you know, there is one thing here that we didn't really discuss. Yes. What if the sound wasn't mechanical in nature or a vehicle or an experimental piece of machinery? What if it was biological? What are you saying, Matt? Are you saying some sort of unknown organism could be responsible, could be scaring off the other known animals? Careful, my friend. We teeter on the precipice of cryptozoology. 
Oh, dare we? You mean like a Loch Ness monster kind of situation? Like a giant Arctic sea monster? Maybe. But you'll have to wait until next episode to hear about it. Uh, You are a mischievous devil, and I love it. Yes, yeah, a sea monster. Oh gosh, guys, the 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 gates of possibility are flung wide open. The horizon of creepy stuff rushes forward from the future to meet us. You, you guys know the the only thing I'm scared of more than like birds is giant underwater monsters. Really? Ah, uh, yeah. I've, I think I talked about it a while back on, on an episode. Like, I always have dreams that I'm like in this vast sea, and there's a giant presence beneath me, and I sense it. And it's not that I'm worried about getting eaten. It's just the very existence and presence and being in the proximity of such a thing is very. Oh, it makes my blood run cold. So what do you think, folks? Uh, You know, in the past episodes, we've seen mysterious noises traced to industry, like the winds or hum, or natural causes like shifting earth or ice. That would be, that's the most widely accepted explanation for the bloop. But do you think there's something else here? Do you think there's a mystery afoot? Do you think there's a sea creature? Do you think there's a mundane explanation? Do you think there's some kind of... Uh, difference between what's actually happening and the official narrative. Have you yourself heard this ping? If so, we want to hear from you. Yes, please find us on social media where we are conspiracy stuff on Twitter and Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at conspiracy stuff show. If you don't want to do those things, you don't like social media, you can give us a call. Our number is one eight three three STDWYTK. Leave a message. You may find yourself on one of our new listener mail episodes, or you may inspire us to make an episode such as this one. You can say whatever you want. You will not be censored. Just let us know if you want to be on the air or not. And if that's not your thing, you can find us on other forms of social media where we are Conspiracy Stuff or Conspiracy Stuff Show. Um, if you'd like to be a member of our Facebook group, here's where it gets crazy. You just go right on there, search for it. It'll come right up and just name one of the three of us or or super producer Paul Mission Control Decant or super producer Alexis, uh, nicknamed TBD Jackson. We bring in some in email, uh, some suggestions. I don't think we should uh, air them here. Uh, you can do that. Uh, and we we tend to uh, hang out in that group from time to time and respond to memes and posts and questions, and it's a lot of fun. So check that out. And if none of that quite bags your figurative conspiratorial badgers, but you're thinking, I have a story you guys need to hear. More importantly, I have a story my fellow listeners need to hear. Then you can always contact us any old time of day, any old time of the year at our good old fashioned email address where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.